Hey everybody, welcome to episode 261 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming to you from Austin, Texas, and I'm excited about this episode because I get to announce a new partner that actually pairs well, I think, with my current partner, Care Of, so I'm excited to talk about that in just a bit. First of all, I wanted to preview today's episode topic. We're going to be talking about the magic of the medium long run. I mentioned it in my last episode as a fundamental part of building your training foundation and as something that is an area of focus for me this year, but I actually got a lot of questions about that. And so I want to dig into at least a couple of those questions and then also address some of the broader questions by just digging into what the medium long run should look like and why it's so important. So we'll talk about the purpose, the timing, the distance, the pace, and other things you should think about when executing that medium long run. So we're going to drill in on that today in just a second. I've got a couple of housekeeping items and some intro things that I wanted to cover before we dive in. First of all, from a podcast perspective, a couple of things there. One, thank you for the reviews and the affirmation that I got after last week's episode. I really appreciate that. And of course, if you, if you like what you hear and you're a fan of the podcast, please pop on over to the podcast app and drop a review if you don't mind. Certainly appreciate that. Also, wanted to mention related to the podcast that I'm going to be officially changing my release date to Friday. I know for a long time it was Monday, then it went to Tuesday, then it would slide to Wednesday. And now as I've constructed my week in this new year, I'm finding that Friday is just the best time to get it out. Plus, Hopefully that's coming right before your long runs on the weekend so you can download and listen on the weekend during those longer runs. And so that's what I'm planning to do and committing to going forward. So look for my episodes every week coming out on Friday afternoons. And then finally, a couple of notes before we jump into the, onto the main topic. First, we've got to talk about the Houston Marathon and Half Marathon that went off this past weekend. I had the honor to actually be there in person cheering on the marathon course. I was between 20 and 22 at various times running primarily with athletes that I coach that were covering the marathon distance, but I got to see the leaders come through and wanted to give some shout outs there. First of all, to Frank Laura, who ended up sixth place overall and third American in the marathon in just over 211. That's, this was his first marathon and his first big race representing his new sponsor, Ultra. He was actually running in their new carbon fiber shoe. But it was good to see him as the leaders came through. There was a pack of seven or eight guys that were still all together when I saw them actually right before the mile 20 mark. And Frank was comfortable and looking solid at that point, tucked into the pack. And then things, I know, heated up as it progressed. So he ended up just outside the podium there and yet still had an amazing first marathon. 211s, unbelievable. And it was just good to see him get that result. I've actually had the honor of interviewing him for the Clean Sport Collective podcast. So you can pop over there and check out his backstory. But great guy, runs with the Roots Running Project there in Boulder, Colorado, and will be doing big things. Still very young, will be doing big things in the marathon. So Frank Laura is a name to watch out for in the marathon now that he's made his debut in a speedy 211. 
Also, of course, we've got to give a shout out to the top American on the women's side who won the overall race in the marathon and set a new American record in low 219 time. Kira D'Amato absolutely crushed it to the best Dina Casters American record in the marathon that had stood for 15 years. Dina is one of the greatest, if not the greatest American distance runner of all time. So to take down that record is absolutely unbelievable. And to do it in the way that she's done it, taking a break from the sport and then coming back to it and doing it as a mom and someone who works as a realtor full time. It's really, really impressive and un- unbelievable in many ways. So shout out to Kira D'Amato for getting it done. I think the thing that struck me most in her story, at least as it relates to the race itself, was just the confidence that she had coming in and then the confidence with which she raced. She went out quick, was a little bit ahead of pace for the early half, and then by the 30K point was pretty much right on pace. I got to see her right at the 32K mark, which is about 10K to go. And at that point, she had actually yo-yoed back a little bit from her pacers who were out front, seemed to be at least visually perhaps struggling a little bit. And so since she came through a little bit slower on that 30K split, was right on pace by that point, I thought maybe that was a sign that she was slowing and that potentially she would succumb to the fast early pace as she progressed down the finish. But that's not what happened. She... She dug deep from there, and that's actually what I screamed at her. I'm like, dig deep, Gary, you got this. And she dug deep, and over that last 7K, just absolutely crushed it to get under that record, which, again, unbelievable. Hats off to her, really inspiring story. And to do it at 37 years of age after taking a break from the sport is pretty, pretty cool. So cool to see that. It was cool to be on the course, watching that in person. And then, of course, you've got to give a shout out to Sarah Hall, who 15 years after her husband set the American record in the half, Ryan Hall, that he still holds. She was able to get Molly Huddle's American half marathon record in 107 low, just cruising and really, really inspiring too. doing that at 38 years of old, 38 years of age. And I love Sarah's story because she's been competing at the highest levels of this sport since high school, just doing it, grinding, did amazing things in high school and college, maybe by some people's definition, haven't, hasn't had that big result as an adult athlete to hang her hat on, but she has, if you're really a fan, you've been paying attention. She's had an an unbelievable range and unbelievable set of results as an elite athlete But to get this record really cements her status as one of the best to ever do it, certainly at the half marathon and marathon distances. And so hats off to Sarah Hall, huge fan of her as well, doing it as a mom at 38. So we've got two moms absolutely crushing it, really, really inspiring. And I think more than their results on the road, they seem like just really good people that are doing things the right way and trying to give back to to people in the sport in a way that carries it forward, that inspires others. And that's really, really cool to see. It was fun to be on the course, to be able to experience at least those two marathoners and Frank and Kira absolutely crush it. I missed Sarah's results. I didn't see the half course, but 
was obviously following on Twitter and was really excited to see it happen in, in an event at Houston that is highly, highly underrated. Fast course, typically it's had good weather because it's held in January and it's impeccably organized. So would highly recommend Houston for anybody who's considering it. I lived in Houston for 10 years, so I'm a little bit biased, but it does, it is the place for my current marathon PR and it's a race. It's a place where I've had some amazing races and absolutely love to race because of how well it's put together. So come check it out. And we had some amazing days. I had 17 marathoners racing that I coached myself who all really crushed it and left it all out on the course. Lots of good results. It was so fun to be there and to be with them and cheer them on and see see people go for it on a day where it was good weather and where times were to be had for the taking if you were ready. And so I got the opportunity to witness that. It was really cool to see. And it's always inspiring for me as a coach when I get to watch my athletes do their thing. So shout out to all of those athletes that got it done as well throughout the field. All right. As we move into our main topic, I wanted to quickly let you know that I'm excited to now partner with Inside Tracker. I'll be talking about my partnership with them in the middle of the episode, but I wanted to thank them for coming on as a partner and for sponsoring me now through the podcast. And I'll be talking more about what that means and who they are in the middle of my main topic here. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about the magic of the medium long run. How do you get the most from it? So I want to start by framing the importance of the medium long run. I say this all the time, but I call it the unsung hero of distance training, especially for the marathon and the half marathon. You know, we always talk about the sexy stuff, the long runs, the quality workout, the speed workout. Those are the things that get all the airtime that in in many cases get our focus as athletes because we look at our training schedule and those intense sessions naturally jump out at us. But this medium long run is the unsung hero. It's the not sexy, it's the often not seen or talked about run that is helping you build aerobic capacity in a way that allows you to reach your potential. And so optimizing the medium long run to me is often overlooked in the grand scheme of things. We're, we're looking to that long run and we're talking about that at nauseum. We're looking to the speed and we're talking about all the different types of speed things you can do to get faster, but nobody talks about the medium long run. And yet that's where you really get a big bang for your buck from aerobic development standpoint, if you're willing to do that work consistently. So let's talk talk now about why it's so important, why it's magical, and then how to execute it in a way that's going to help you be faster ultimately. So first thing let's talk about is purpose. What are we accomplishing when we go out for our medium long run? And there's two, two things, one being primary. The primary reason why we do our medium long runs And I'll talk about pace and distance and timing and all of that later. But the primary reason is to build aerobic capacity. This is something you've heard me talk about on this podcast many times. But this is one of those secret elements, unsung heroes again, not a hack, just doing the work, things that's going to help you build aerobic capacity, which means that your body's physiology is changing from the inside out in ways that you can't see that will have a massive 
impact in you taking a molecule molecule of oxygen from the air and carrying that through your lungs, through your bloodstream, through the cellular wall, to your working muscles where the mitochondria can take that oxygen and use it for respiration, which makes you go. So that process from mouth to lungs to bloodstream to cellular level is optimized in the context of doing consistent medium long runs. Aerobic capacity building. That's the primary thing we're trying to accomplish with these medium long runs, which means they have to be a little bit longer than most of your other runs in the week. And this is typically going to be your second longest long run of the week. We'll talk a little bit about what that might look like from a distance perspective in a second. So again, we're building aerobic capacity. We're changing how our body looks from the inside out so that you can process more oxygen to your working cells so that you can perform respiration better and faster so that you can go. That's the primary purpose. Secondary purpose, which is also important, is this idea that we're also, like we are doing with the long run, we are making neuromuscular adaptations to steal your body for distance so that you can become a more resilient runner with staying power. We want that body to be used to going long, going long sometimes on tired legs, going long in the context of a bigger week depending on how your week is structured, but we're, we're going to be covering distance. And so that's stealing our muscles and training our nerves to activate in such a way to get you through it when your body might be a little bit tired and you might not want to get out there and do it, but you do it anyway. And that's a secondary purpose of the day. So one, primary aerobic capacity building. Two, neuromuscular adaptation. Those are the things that we're trying to accomplish with our medium long run. And in particular, the aerobic capacity part of that should be your true north when it comes to making decisions about the medium long run. That's the part you have to make sure is optimized on a given day. Because if you go too fast, for example, on a medium long run, then you step outside that aerobic capacity building portion of aerobic development and you move into something else, then you're sub-optimizing your week, you're sub-optimizing your build, and you're doing what I talked about several episodes ago, which is you're getting into the realm of junk miles when you start to step outside of paces or efforts that will compromise your ability to purely build aerobic capacity. Again, we'll talk about paces in a second, but aerobic capacity, that's your true north. When you step out for a medium long run, that's what you're trying to accomplish. If you're doing anything else on that day, then you're sub-optimizing your build. So that's purpose. Now let's talk about timing. Then we'll talk timing, distance, pace, and then some other things to think about in the context of this medium long run in terms of getting your biggest bang for the buck. And then at the end, I'm going to answer some questions about what to do when you have to make adjustments. And those questions are from listeners. All right. So that's purpose. Now let's talk timing. So the timing of the medium long run, where does it fit within the week? And you've probably heard me talk about this before, but There are really three anchors to your week if you're building your schedule in an optimal way. There's your long run, obviously, your quality workout, your speed workout, obviously, and then there's the medium long run. Those are the three big anchors. 
for your week, each with a different purpose, each with a different anatomy, so to speak. And those need to be separated from each other by at least a day. So there, there's a gap in between each one of those. So if I were to give you an example, I coach a group of runners here in Austin that do their speed workout, their main quality workout during the week on a Wednesday. And so my schedule for them have has them doing their medium long run on Monday. Then they have a day on Tuesday where it's typically a flex option where they're often doing low intensity aerobic cross training before they do their quality workout, their speed workout on Wednesday. Then they'll do recovery on Thursday or Friday and then have their long run typically on Saturday. That's one example. But again, you have at least one day between your medium long run and your quality day or your medium long run and your long run. My schedule structured a little bit differently. I typically do my main quality of the week on a Tuesday. And so my schedule looks like this. I'm doing Tuesday quality, Thursday typically medium long run, then Saturday long run. So again, I've still got at least one day in between each of those days. And ideally that in between time you're doing some sort of recovery effort, some sort of active recovery. For me, that looks like runs typically on each of those days. And so my schedule will look like this. I'll do an easy run Monday, Tuesday quality, Wednesday recovery run, Thursday medium long run, Friday typically another easy or recovery run, Saturday long run. I personally take Sundays off and then get back to easy running on Monday again before Tuesday quality. That's the cadence that works for me. But typically, again, you have those key anchor days with one day in between, typically that day being an easy or recovery day. I am okay if you can't necessarily get a full recovery running day between a medium long run and quality. I do want you to have at least an off day between the two but you don't necessarily have to have a run there. So my runners who will run five days a week, they're going to be doing a Monday medium long run and a Wednesday quality without a run in between unless they're doing some sort of cross training. And then they'll have a Thursday recovery run, Sunday recovery run, and a Saturday long run for those five days. So it's okay if you can't necessarily get an easy recovery run in between the medium long run, if you're treating it with the appropriate paces and quality, as long as you have that day in between for rest. Same thing is true with medium long run and long run. Although in that case, I typically recommend you at least get some sort of short active recovery in before you go from medium long run to long run. If those two happen to be paired together on the calendar with only one day between them. In that case, I like to see somebody get a short recovery run or maybe a short cross training effort at low intensity so that they get some sort of active recovery, that blood flow that promotes healing before you get to the long run. So in my case, if I'm doing medium long Thursday, I've got Friday as an easy day so that then I'm ready for Saturday long run. So those are some examples, some ways to construct it, but you know, there are many, as many ways as, as I can count to construct it, depending on what works for you. I just gave you what is typical in our community, but the, the number one rule of thumb is you want at least one 
easy day of some sort between your medium long run and your quality or your medium long run and your long run. And each of those three days should have at least one day between them. And typically that day is going to be an active rest day in some form. So that's where it fits. As usual with these things, I recommend that you establish a routine and stick to it so that you can make sure that it's repeatable. It's much easier to execute these things when it sits at the same time each week. So try to establish that routine and then stick to it. But as you probably know, that's easier said than done with the medium long run because again, it's not that quote sexy day that we necessarily think about or circle on the calendar. And I actually had a conversation with an athlete today about the medium long run specifically. And and she was talking about how she struggled to get it in. And I encouraged her to reach out to some of her running buddies and find an accountability partner for that day. So that's one way to make sure you do it. Another way I like to think about this is making sure that you're counting those days. And if you think about process goals, like I talked about in the last episode, and you might think about in a training cycle that could be 16 weeks, for example, at 16 medium long runs. Well, if that's the thing, that's your struggle area that you have challenges getting in from week to week, then create a calendar that lays those things out with the main focus being counting down those 16 medium long runs. Again, usually we don't have a problem getting in the quality of the long run. It's that medium long run that can get us. So write that down, put that on your calendar, set goals around how many medium long runs you're going to get in at what distance as you go through that cycle. So that's, those are a couple of tips on being accountable to getting it done, but that's where it sits in terms of timing. Okay. Let's talk about distance for a second then we'll go pace and then talk about some other considerations for the medium long run. From a distance perspective, what I like to see the medium long run is we want it to be at least 50%, but but could be up to 75% of your long run distance as a rule of thumb. So if you're a marathoner doing up to 20 miles, then I think it's optimal to get your medium long run to at least 10 miles a week. If you're a half marathoner who might be doing up to 14 miles perhaps in training, then I want to see that medium long run get up to at least seven, eight miles in training. But it could be even more than that. So as I said, as you become more experienced and as you optimize that over time, then you can build that medium long run distance to potentially up to 75% of the long run distance. So it could be up to about 15 for marathoners and up to 10 to 12 for half marathoners. Now, again, that's at the more experience advance into the range. And I don't want to over overwhelm anybody. So I want to go back and let's just keep it simple for those that are trying to build this for the first time, or maybe get it to a place that hasn't been ever by extending it a little bit. If you think about it, if you're a half marathoner as a focus, then get it to at least six to eight miles, depending on where your starting point is. And if you're a marathoner, get it at least to eight to 10 miles. Start with those milestones initially, and then you can build over time as your body adjusts to the volume. Now, then the question will be, if we're talking about distances, well, how do I build that distance 
safely? How do I build that distance safely? And typically what I recommend from this perspective is when you are building the medium long run to build the distance by one mile every third week. So if you're starting out at say doing four miles per week, do four miles for a couple of weeks, then go to five miles for a couple of weeks, then go to six miles for a couple of weeks, then go to seven miles for a couple of weeks. So build in that way, one mile every third week. If you do down weeks, you can always take a step back during a down week by one mile or two miles during that build so that you don't overdo it if you need to incorporate that element. But one mile every two weeks typically is the base starting point I use when, when putting together my schedules. And then once you get to your target, then you can start to cycle that medium long run where you're doing the max distance on your up weeks for two weeks consecutively. And then on the third week during a down week, you cut it back by one mile or two miles in order to get a little bit of recovery by reducing that overall volume. So we want to see you for half marathoners building to six to eight miles and then for marathoners building to eight to 10 at a minimum. And then as you get comfortable there and more experienced and then have the time and capacity, you can build from that if you desire and if you have the ability. So that's where we are from a distance perspective, six to eight miles as a target for half marathoners and then eight to 10 for marathoners. If you're not doing those distances at for the half and for the full, then I would submit that you're, you have big opportunity. You have big opportunity because when it comes to those easy days and building aerobic capacity, the value that you get from the later miles of a medium long run, so miles six to 10, for example, are significantly greater than the value that you get from the first four miles. So as you go, the longer you go, the more benefits you get from an aerobic capacity standpoint. The benefits start to compound. It is not a linear approach here. So mile one is not the same as mile two, is not the same as mile six, is not the same as mile eight, is not the same as mile 10 when it comes to that aerobic capacity development your body uses those initial miles to kind of ramp up, to get warmed up, to start getting into that mode, into that rhythm. And then once you get there, then your body can start to do the work in terms of expanding aerobic capacity that gets you to some of those physiological benefits that I mentioned earlier. So the later miles are the really important miles. And that's why the medium long run becomes so important. Somebody had a question about what to do if you can't do the target distance. I'll answer that later. But as an optimal starting point, you want to try to make sure you can get in those later miles consistently because that's where the real bang for our buck comes from with the medium long run. Shorter runs, they just don't give us that same bang for the buck because we have this exponential effect that happens when you start to extend your runs. And then, of course, for the long run itself, that carries as well. So mile 18 of a long run is going to give you more bang for your buck than mile six. But that's why we do the second medium long run of the week is to give you that opportunity to get into those higher mileage levels to that start to have real impact on your aerobic capacity. So that's what we are. That's where we are from a distance perspective. In a minute, I'll talk about pace. But before I get there, I wanted to talk about my new partnership. I'm really excited about this with Inside Tracker. Some of you may have seen Inside Tracker. There are many elite athletes that use it. 
It is a tool for you to optimize your performance by getting more information and more data. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. Basically, they use a, a patented algorithm to take your data from blood tests, from DNA, from fitness trackers, and then give you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes that will help performance. And the thing I like about it is they're actually coming at it from a performance standpoint. So this isn't about are you sick or are you not sick? And if you go to a normal doctor, they're going to give you ranges that are associated with the general population. This will give you ranges associated with performance. So how you can optimize performance, which is a little bit different than just are you a healthy human? And so I'm excited to be partnered with them because now I'm going to be able to track my progress related to some of the issues I had in the fall that I mentioned on last episode in terms of having some deficiencies in my in my blood work that I'll be able to now stay on top of and track. And so this is going to help me on an ongoing basis make sure that I don't get in a deficit again in some of those areas. So I'm excited to be partnering with Inside Tracker. If you're wanting a partner that can help you track blood, DNA, and fitness data so that you can get recommendations on how to be a better athlete and perform, then I would encourage you to check it out. They've got a bunch of different options for you. You can go to a personal store that they've set up for listeners of the Running Rogue podcast. You're going to get 25% off all of their options right off the top. You can go to insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. That's insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue. Rogue spelled R-O-G-U-E for 25% off any of their options. I'm doing the ultimate option that combines blood data with DNA and looks at 43 biomarkers to make sure that I am ready to perform as I do the work in training. And I'm really excited about this partnership. So go check it out, insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue for 25% off all of their options. Okay, let's jump back into my conversation about the magic of the medium long run. We've got more to talk about. Let's talk about pace now. Let's talk about pace now because this is really important and you've probably heard me emphasize this before, but I'm going to emphasize it again because if you get out of bounds on pace with the medium long run or effort is probably the better word there, then you are no longer accomplishing the purpose of the day and truly you could be just running junk miles because you won't be necessarily getting the aerobic capacity benefits you need. And if you go too fast, you'll also be stressing the neuromuscular system in a way that's going to hurt you. So let's talk about pace. And to talk about that, really, I guess I should first put it in the context of effort. As I just mentioned, we want to be doing these medium long runs at a conversational effort. If you can't speak in full sentences, while on your medium long run comfortably, then you are going too fast. I don't care what pace you're running. You should be able to speak in full sentences, have an easy conversation while doing this. It should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It should be casual in a sense so that you're in ensuring you're in that zone where you're building aerobic capacity. From a pacing standpoint, typically this is going to be at least a minute slower than marathon paced, at least a minute and a half 
slower than half marathon pace as a rule of thumb. And typically you're still going to be in the right zone if you're going anywhere from a minute to two minutes slower than marathon pace, or typically a minute and a half to two and a half minutes slower than half marathon pace. Now you could also even sometimes go slower than that and still be in the right zone. So that's not necessarily a hard and fast edge on the back end, but that is a general rule of thumb that you can use to make sure you're staying in the right place. From a heart rate perspective, Maffetone's formula of 180 minus your age is typically a pretty good upper bound of heart rate for whether or not you're in the right zone for that. So for me, that sets about 140 as a heart rate. And so when I'm doing my medium long runs, I want to see that my heart rate is under that 140 threshold so that that ensures I'm in that aerobic capacity building zone. Now, the hardest part about this is that it's, I guess, counterintuitive for some reason for people when when a lot of us think, especially when we get into running, that we have to run fast to get faster. We have to run fast to get faster. If we're not running fast all the time, then we're not going to get faster. Well, I can tell you that doesn't work because what happens when you run too fast, especially on days like this, the medium long run day, then you end up in the wrong zone. So you end up in a zone where you're actually building something else besides aerobic capacity. You're optimizing your aerobic system in a different way when you go too fast. You're also, as I mentioned earlier, putting the body under stress that could potentially cause injury. So you're doing something that's counterproductive when you go too fast on the medium long run day. And it's interesting to me because there's a couple of analogies I like to use for people, or at least comparisons I like to use for people in talking about this. One is with strength training. We have no problem accepting strength training principles, which if you drill into it, actually looks exactly like what we're talking about here. If I were to want to improve my bench press, for example, then I'm going to go to the gym, maybe work my chest muscles twice a week at max. Sometimes it could be done on even once a week, and I'm going to lift lower weight at higher reps most of the time. So lower intensity, higher volume most of the time, and then occasionally I'm going to go and try to improve my max bench press with a one rep session all out. So that's the blueprint for weightlifting. Higher reps, lower intensity most of the time. What we're talking about running here is exactly the same. Higher reps equals higher volume in our case. Lower intensity equals lower pace most of the time. And then occasionally we go and max out, which would be on our quality days and on our race days. So the principles are actually exactly the same to strength training. And yet we have trouble for whatever reason, accepting it because the counter to that in from a strength perspective would be if I went and every day worked my chest, worked the max bench press on my chest. If I did that every day, I wouldn't get stronger. I would hurt myself and my strength would plateau because my body would never be able to recover from the work that I was giving it. So the principles are exactly the same to strength training. For whatever reason, we embrace them more in strength training. I don't know why than we do in running, but I'm encouraging you to embrace those same principles in your running. The other analogy I like to use is the car analogy. So if, if you think of the aerobic system as having different components, and I like to think of the aerobic system like a car engine. 
And in the very simplest terms, you've got the size of the engine and you have the efficiency and the tuning of the engine. And if we think about aerobic capacity building as building the size of our engine, that's adding cylinders to the engine. And, and if we think about speed work or when we do quality work as fine tuning the engine, which is where those two things fit in this analogy, then that helps you understand it because you would rather have a really big engine that's maybe less finely tuned than a tiny engine that is revved to the max. A V8 is going to smash a really revved up fine-tuned four-cylinder all day long. And so you want to make sure you're building the size of your engine, adding as many cylinders as you can. In order to do that, that's where the medium long run comes in. That's where the long run comes in. That's where our easy running comes in versus when we do fast running, when we do our quality, that's where we're fine-tuning the engine we have. We're revving it up. We're adding RPMs. We're adding nitrous oxide. We're adding all the cool things to make it go faster. That's what we're doing on the quality days, but that's fine tuning the engine. And ultimately you need both things in order to optimize and be your fastest self, but you have to make sure that you're focused on the right things at the right time. And on medium long run day, it's about engine size. And in order to build your engine size, that aerobic capacity, you have to slow down. You have to run easy conversational pace within those rules of thumb that I talked about. And ideally, if you do that, you'll feel better at the end of the run than when you started, which is also another sign that you're doing something right. So that's pace. Okay, now let's talk about some other considerations for the medium long in terms of how you optimize it. I am a big believer in also doing a little bit of speed development on medium long run day. And that can look a little bit different depending on your level of expertise and experience. But we want to counter that aerobic capacity building with just a little bit of sharpening work to make sure that we're primed and ready for speed day when it comes. So we do also, or I do also recommend a little bit of speed development on the medium long run, but it comes in really simple, digestible form. And that's where I recommend doing strides at a minimum on medium long run day. And for the more advanced athlete, you can do other extra sharpening work that's going to give you just a little bit of speed stimulus on top of the aerobic capacity stimulus that is the primary focus of this day. So what I will typically recommend is that my runners do their medium long run, get that done at easy conversational efforts, and then do their weekly strides at the end. So you're nice and warm from the medium long run, and you can use that and go into the strides from there. What are strides? As a reminder, strides are short controlled sprints, typically 80 to 100 meters in length on a flat road or track. And what you're going to do is mentally think about dividing that up into thirds. So you want to build your speed for a third, hold your speed for a third, and then cruise, let off the gas, don't break. For the final third, walk back to the start, and repeat. That's what a stride looks like. And in that middle third, you're going to target trying to hit about 90 to 95% of your peak speed. So it's a short controlled sprint, not too much that will promote injury, but just enough so that you get into those faster gears, which helps you develop speed and develop form and efficiency over time. 
The analogy I've used with strides is that strides are like little allergy shots for speed. They're inoculations of speed. If you get one allergy shot, it doesn't do you any good. But if you get shots every week for years, then eventually that starts to pay dividends in immunity in the allergy case. And in our case as runners, it helps to make us more efficient and faster over time. It's not perceptible. And so it's hard to stay committed to these. But that's important to, again, build that form efficiency and speed over time. So I like putting strides at the end of the medium long run if you can, if you have time for it. And you only have to do four to five of these, maybe four to six at the very max after that medium long run so that so that we're only just doing a little bit. It's just four to six short controlled sprints that you tack on at the end to work on speed, form and efficiency. For the more, and that's what I recommend for any runner. For the more advanced runner, we can start to do some other things and do some other speed development work inside the medium long run that might include pickups of 30 to 90 seconds in length, typically not many, typically four to six pickups inside the medium long run where you're just picking up your pace for a little bit and then getting back to easy pace for a bit and then going back to the pickup pace. So there are ways that we can start to incorporate a little bit more advanced speed work inside the medium long run, but it's always focusing on the high end with typically plenty of recovery so that you're not stressing the aerobic threshold areas of your aerobic system. You're simply developing speed and working on form and efficiency. So strides are the basic form of that, which you can do at the end. And that's what I would recommend for most beginner or intermediate level runners. But those advanced runners can then start to consider other doses that might be a little bit more extended of speed as they progress in their running journey. But it should all be relatively tight in in small controlled windows with a focus on speed where you're staying focused there and you're not getting into a place where you're starting to stress aerobic or anaerobic threshold. So that's how you supersize your medium long run. Add to the magic, which is get in that aerobic capacity building work at an easy conversational pace and then tack on some speed development at the end with strides. If you can do that and you can do it week in and week out consistently, I promise you, you will have results from it that you never thought possible, especially if you've never prioritized those two areas before. Finally, as we start to wrap this episode, I did want to get to some questions, particularly about how do we make adjustments to the medium long run when things get in the way, because it's going to happen. And so I got a good email with some questions from a listener that teased this up well. So I'm going to shout out Victoria. Thank you for sending the email and for asking these questions. She says, if I don't have enough time to do a medium long run, do I still get benefits if I run fewer miles? For example, Wednesday morning, 10 mile medium long run, but I just don't have the time that particular morning. If I run only seven or eight at the easy pace, is it still worth the effort or should I scratch the workout or move it to another day? So this is a great question because it comes up all the time. Life happens, things get in the way, that's okay. We're not looking necessarily for perfection in training. We're just simply looking that 95% of the time you're getting the work done and sure, there will be things that pop up and that's okay. My answer to this comes in tears. If you can't do it all, do something. That is the number one rule. That's where I start. 
Something is always better than nothing. If you can't do it all, something is always better. So if you can do 10, seven or eight, will still give you benefit. Now, if you can't do 10, but you can only get in four, that's still better than zero. You won't be getting some of that extended aerobic capacity development if you do four, but what you will be doing is maintaining a routine and you'll be getting some neuromuscular stimulus that's going to help you when you then get back to adding that day back to your routine later. So goal number one is to get something in no matter what. Something is always better than nothing. And by the way, if that has to be some sort of aerobic cross training, that could be another way to get something rather than nothing if you're not able to run for whatever reason. If a snowstorm ices you out and you have to do something inside on a recumbent bike or something like that, that would be another way to still get an aerobic stimulus. Is it the same? as that 10 mile medium long run? No, it's not, but that's okay because we're still just trying to first get some sort of aerobic capacity building if we can have a medium long run that's slightly shorter. And second, if we can't get that, we still get in some active effort work, you know, whether it be a really short run or some sort of cross training so that you maintain your routine, you still get blood flow in your legs so that when you do go back to adding that day back, your body isn't shocked. So that's where I would start. Then the second question, can I rearrange? Rearranging is much more difficult. Is it possible to rearrange? Yes. If you have advanced notice enough and you, you say, hey, I'm not going to be able to get my run on at the distance I want on Wednesday. And then in the week prior to that, you can recognize that and then recalibrate your perhaps your entire calendar to make sure that you can still get those runs in in a way that there's still that day space between medium long run quality and long run if you can maintain the integrity of that rule then i'm okay making rearrangements so for me for example if i can't get my tuesday quality day or my thursday medium long run or my saturday long run but I can look out and see that that's going to be an issue a week prior and then maybe adjust so that it goes Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, or Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, if I need to move things around, then yes. With that advance notice where I can change the dynamic of the entire week and maintain the integrity of the spacing of those days, then that's okay. But in absence of that, when I can't do that, and it's just one of those things where it pops up, things got messy on a day and I just didn't get it in, then I want you to just put it behind you. Move on, commit to doing the next week, but don't worry about this week. Don't try to rearrange. Just skip the day, then pick up the next day with whatever you would normally do and then carry on. That's the third option. So option one, something is better than nothing. Keep it where it is and just try to get something in. Option two, rearrange the entire week if you can so that you still have the integrity of the structure of the week. Option three, if none of that works or it's last minute, then that's okay. Just skip the day, move on, put it behind you, and go get the next one done. That's how I would think about it in those tiers because what we don't want to do is smash those days together that's in a way that's going to cause injury because that's one of the areas where I think people can get in trouble for injury when they go and they then smash that medium long run day up against a quality day the next day or up against a long run day the next day. That's where injuries happen and that's what you want to avoid. So as long as you can think about it in those tiers, 
then I'm okay with whatever outcome because then there will be another week and that's all good. Okay, relatedly, and with that kind of teeing up this question, I want to talk about other constraints related to the medium long run. Sometimes I have people tell me, I can't get in X miles, but I can get in X time. And sometimes that's the best way to think about the medium long run. If you can't necessarily get in X miles because you'd have to go too fast in order to do that, to squeeze them in, then forget about the miles. Just get in that window of time at the appropriate effort so you don't sacrifice the purpose of the day. I've had somebody tell me, hey, I can't necessarily do the miles unless I go faster. And my answer is, well, don't go faster. Stay true to the purpose of the day. Stay true to that aerobic capacity goal, but just cap it at whatever time constraint you had. And in this case, in this example, it was somebody had 90 minutes and they couldn't get in the 10 miles that they wanted at the paces they needed to do in those 90 minutes. I said, that's fine. Don't go faster to squeeze it in. Don't go faster to squeeze in the 10. I want you to stay true to the effort. Go the right pace. Go that easy, comfortable pace and just cap it at the 90 minutes. That will still be giving you a solid aerobic capacity building effort in the context of the constraints you have. So that's another thing to think about here. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about conditions, summer particularly. I know many of us struggle in the summer months and we might have resistance to slowing down even further. But especially for those that have big changes in our seasons and in the temperatures we might see from summer to winter, then you have to make sure that you see that differentiation also in your medium long run. So for me, when I'm running in the hot and humid summers of Austin, Texas, and the conditions might be 70 plus and 80 plus percent humidity, my medium long run pace is going to be different than it is in the cool summer months when it's 40 degrees and perfect out. And you have to make sure you're you're seeing that differentiation. And so oftentimes from winter to summer, I might see 32 seconds to a minute per mile difference in the times I'm running on my medium long run in order to make sure I'm staying in the right effort zone. So make sure you're willing to make those adjustments when the conditions require it. And that could be weather related. It could be because you had a bad sleep the night before. Could be because you didn't eat as well as you needed to. There's lots of reasons why we may not feel good and we and why we may need to slow down to stay in the right conversational effort zone. If that's you for whatever reason, slow down. Stay in the right effort zone so that you can achieve the purpose of the day, which is to build aerobic capacity, and so that over time you can get the full benefits of the magic of the medium long run. So there you go. That's 50 minutes on the medium long run. Hopefully you didn't get too bored by that, but I'm telling you, the medium long run can be boring, but I'm just telling you, it will also be magic for you if you're willing to do it and do it consistently. So take my advice and go get it done. Recommit to the medium long run here in 2022. So with that, we'll wrap this episode. Thanks again for listening. As always, to get that offer from Inside Tracker, 25% off insidetracker.com forward slash running rogue r-o-g-u-e you can also still sign up for our podcast training groups by going to roguerunning.com through the end of january and you can follow us on social media at rogue running on twitter instagram and facebook until next time we'll talk to you soon